Welcome to this episode of Raising Killen, the podcast to motivate, inspire, and educate parents raising kids with special needs. I am your host, Marsh Naidu, and this is a crazy time indeed. It is Wednesday, April the 22nd, and most of us have been on a lockdown or a self-imposed quarantine due to the coronavirus for about a month now. As a family, we were in St. Louis when news of this pandemic unfolded. We were at St. Louis Children's Hospital for a therapy intensive from about the 16th to the 20th of March. As the week progressed within the hospital itself, things were in a constant flux. You can hear more about our journey during this week by um, going ahead and listening to our short mini episodes that we did each day from day one to day five. And you can find that between episodes 13 and 14 on the Raising Killen podcast. It's been about a month now, guys, and schools are closed. Parents are at home trying to juggle doing remote work learning the tech that's needed to do remote work, trying to keep up with the kids, trying to keep up with the the finances, and basically just trying to survive. Living in these close quarters and with the non-essential travel being discouraged is really a catalyst for frayed nerves. And what we've decided to do is actually reach out to three experts in their field to provide our listeners with some strategies to help them during this unprecedented time. We are going to be hosting a mini track, guys. This mini track is going to consist of three episodes of how to navigate the coronavirus at home. Episode 17 is going to be a talk with Rose Reef, a licensed clinical mental health counselor from Cary, North Carolina. This episode is actually going to be taped later on this morning and will air this coming Friday, April the 24th. Episode 18 is a talk with Madison from Let's Yoga Perth. That's right, that's Perth, Australia. Madison is a OT slash yoga teacher and she has moved her practice online to teach relaxation and mindfulness to those kids with special needs. So I am super excited to be chatting with Madison. That episode will air on May the 1st, May Day. Episode 19 is a talk with Misha Davido. He's actually an educator based in Nashville, Tennessee, that has founded a new leaf preschool. Uh, this preschool is based on the uh, Regio methodology. I hope I'm saying that right, Misha. Uh, and Misha is going to talk about the restorative power of being outdoors as well as the science behind it. So three jam-packed episodes full of tips and tricks for us to sink our teeth into and those will all be airing within the next three weeks. 
today we are going to kickstart our quarantine strategy series by talking with Rose Reef of Reef Counseling Services. Rose is from the Research Triangle area. Welcome to the show, Rose. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Rose, I love geography. And yes, I could have Googled it, but I love hearing <laughs> from a local. Where is the Research Triangle? Tell us about where you located at. Sure. So I am in central North Carolina, and the Research Triangle refers to an area that's Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And I am in a small town um, right inside of that. It's called Cary, so C-A-R-Y, and that's where my practice is. All right. Well, Rose Guys is a licensed clinical mental health counselor. Her private practice focuses on a very uh, a niche market in that she provides support to adults, either with congenital or acquired disabilities. So um, when we're talking about uh, congenital or developmental disabilities, we're touching on things such as cerebral palsy, autism, mm -hmm. or, or Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. and, and when we talk about acquired disabilities here, I, I guess, Rose, are you talking more about patients with spinal cord injuries or? Spinal cord injuries, uh, traumatic brain injury. I work with a lot of people who are recovering from stroke and have language disorders like aphasia, apraxia. Um, so just across the spectrum of, of things, ways that people can be different. So what, what kind of caught my eye was that you also counseled caregivers of those with disabilities. So, yes. I mean, that would be myself as a, as a parent raising a child with cerebral palsy, but also spouses. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that, Rose. Sure. It's, um, like you say, it's a very unique niche. There are not too many other counselors that have that specialization. And I'll be honest, it's not one that I intended to have either. My background is I was a case manager um, working with adults with disabilities for many years. I ran an independent living program and I really loved that work. Um, but over the years, you know, I, I did that for about a decade and I started to see that there were just not a lot of mental health supports for adults with disabilities, whether that was developmental disabilities, brain injury, just around, you know, around our community, there wasn't anyone who said, those are my people, that's who I want to support. And finally, I said, you know what, we need to have somebody um, in this area who can meet the mental health needs of this community. And so I'm going to go become that person. So I went to grad school and started my practice straight out of grad school, uh, which was almost eight years ago at this point. And maybe six months or so into practice, I started to get a lot of calls from parents of younger kids with disabilities saying, look, I know I'm not really who you advertise as working with, but I've just, I've read your blog or I heard you speak somewhere. And I just feel like you get it in a way that other therapists I've tried to talk to haven't really understood what, what our life looks like and what my future, why it's so different for me than for everybody else. And so would you see me too? And so it grew really organically. Um, to now, you know, eight years later, it's my practice is about 50-50 split between adults with disabilities and the people who love them. I think that's a perfect segue uh, talking about your blog, which is called 
the mental wellness and disability blog on Rose's website called reefpsychservices.com. This blog is a virtual gold mine. Let me give you guys an <laughs> example of some of the articles that I've read through. In June of last year, Rose wrote about the caregiver self-care advice that no one will tell you. Yes, indeed, no one does tell you, but this article is just loaded with information. The second article, which I think is really poignant, was uh, is it wrong to feel grief when your child is diagnosed with a disability? And the most recent blog, which um, I really thought was relevant and I appreciated, it resonated with me, was four reasons why special needs parents are better equipped than anyone else to handle coronavirus stress. <laughs> So that particular article, I'm going to leave for a little bit later on to kind of uh, to dig into. Um, is there any personal experience, maybe a family member that had a disability that kind of prompted you to become an advocate for the disability community? You know, it's, that's a great question. And I know for so many people, that's a part of their journey is they love someone in their family who has a disability. Um, for me, it's actually not. Um, my first exposure to really understanding what disability was, my father was in the military and we were stationed in Germany and we moved to Berlin when I was um, eight or nine years old. And it was there that I learned about the history of um, people with disabilities being persecuted during World War II. And I mean, this was, you know, in the gosh, mid to late 80s, um, the wall had just come down. And so, you know, my parents said that, you know, I had, I had special education classrooms were in a whole other part of the school at the time. I had never really seen people with disabilities. Yes, um, I had to ask my parents what that meant. And they had to, you know, pull out encyclopedias and show me pictures for me to understand what, what it was that I was learning about. Um, but even at that young age, something just really struck me that it was wrong that people should be denied rights and liberties just because of they happen to be born a certain way because their genetics were, you know, in a certain formation. And it just stayed with me. And I knew, you know, even then without ever really having connected with an actual, you know, person with a disability that it was a group that I cared about and wanted to support. And so as I grew and went through high school and college, that was always my goal was to work with people with disabilities. Um, and, you know, then I started to get to know some and realized these are amazing people um, and people who I love to work with. So um, it's, I know, different from, from most people's trajectory, but that's mine. Can you tell me, just as a, uh, as a educational piece, what is the difference between anxiety and depression? Are they two separate entities or they, do they kind of work together? Mm, that's a great question, um, because the answer is both. <laughs> um, you know, anxiety, is when we talk about that, it's a degree of worry that's excessive to the situation and the risk at hand. Um, it's, it's worry that sometimes you can't even put a name to and describe what it is that you're afraid will happen. It can be just a general fear of almost anything. Um, or, you know, most people are familiar with a specific phobia of, of say, dogs or snakes, that kind of thing. Um, so that's 
anxiety, but anxiety's best friend is depression. Depression being, um, you know, kind of a general sense of hopelessness and sadness that you maybe can't explain. There aren't things that are going on that make you feel badly, um, but that you just don't seem to have the energy and enjoy things in the way that you used to. So as you can imagine, if you're feeling down and you don't know why, that might make you start to worry and think things like, what's wrong with me? And why am I different from everybody else? Um, and so where we see depression, we tend to see anxiety and the reverse is also true. So they are not the same in that there are different chemical factors going on and um, neurobiologically, there are different you know, mechanisms of activation, all of that. Um, they present in different ways. You know, people who are depressed um, may try to, you know, may sleep too much, may um, feel lethargic and fatigued, whereas people who are anxious may have an overabundance of energy and be doing and they can't sleep and their thoughts are racing. Um, so they look different, but they do tend to go together, if that makes sense. No, absolutely, Rose. Um, that kind of segues into the question, why is it, in your opinion, that uh, parents or individuals with disabilities might be more prone to anxiety and depression? Sure. So for people with disabilities, um, we know that that's a risk factor, that if someone has a developmental disability, if someone acquires a disability, they are more at risk of those mental health conditions. Um, you know, the reason is they're different and they know it. <laughs> um, you know, there's some other neurobiological factors, brain wiring being different. But, um, you know, for example, I work with a lot of autistic adults who know the challenges they face. They can, you know, explain why things are difficult for them, but that doesn't make it any easier for them to feel better about going into social settings, about trying to get a job, trying to have a meaningful relationship. Um, you know, for parents, I think it has to do with, I mean, there's fatigue, certainly there's physical fatigue. It's more demanding to raise a child with disabilities, but it's the emotional fatigue. It's the compassion fatigue of watching your child be different, watching your child try to just be themselves and be a kid in a world that doesn't really understand or appreciate them. And over time, you know, you start to ask that big question of what's going to happen when I can't care for them anymore? Um, you know, what is the future going to look like? What is my future going to look like? Do I have, you know, a role and a purpose outside of raising this child? And it all, you know, can make a person just feel really withdrawn and isolated and that nobody understands. And um, unfortunately, that feeling is sort of at the root of a lot of anxiety and depression. I think that's why your article um, on is it wrong to feel grief when your child is diagnosed with a disability is so poignant because in that article you describe acknowledging your child's disability and uh, just acknowledging it, grieving so that you can actually then move on to enjoy your child and to develop that bond and provide that support that your child needs and giving that parent that permission to to grieve and you know say you know what those were not expectations or that's not how I pictured things to be that's okay um, mm -hmm. 
so yes, that, as I said, that article was poignant. So guys, check that out. That was uh, Rose's article in August of that last year on the Mental Wellness and Disability blog. Rose, I know we can talk about the subject forever. So I'm, I, I want to go on to the coronavirus and what kind of strategies or what advice can you offer to, to parents like me? Lower the bar. I've been saying it to my clients, you know, for the past five or six weeks. And I just feel like I can't say it enough. We were all, I think, guilty of you know, looking at social media, looking at all of the color-coded school schedules out there, seeing people who've taken this time and, you know, done some wild woodworking project or repainted their house or whatever, and feeling like we should be doing more, feeling like we're not doing enough, like we're not doing it right. Um, there is no right way to do a global pandemic, <laughs> you know? Amen. If you're... <laughs> If you're meeting your child's emotional needs, if you're taking care of your family at a very basic level, you know, food, shelter, you've done it. You've done the day. You've done all that you needed to do. Um, you know, so wherever you can, just reduce the expectations you have of yourself. Reduce the expectations you have of your child. You know, I, I talk to a lot of people who are saying, you know, but I'm an introvert. I love staying home. This should be easy for me. Why does this feel so hard? Um, because we don't have a choice. That's you know, right. acknowledging that our choice has been taken away, that we feel very powerless right now is huge. You know, so let things slide. Too much screen time, there's no, there's no such thing right now. It's all fine. <laughs> Whatever you have to do to get through the day is fine. Um, so I think that, you know, certainly there are other specifics, you know, we can talk about limiting your exposure to the news, to those times when you really feel up for whatever it is you might come across. Um, but I think lower your expectations of yourself. And the flip side of that is to really focus on what are the things that are within your control? We can't control what the weather is. You know, I'm here in, like I said, central North Carolina. It's a beautiful day. I can go for a walk with my family later today. Um, but if it were raining, I can still control if we get exercise. You know, we can turn on a dance video and have a party in the house and move our bodies. So I can't control what kind of exercise we get, if it'll be outside or inside, but I can control that we do it. Yes, um, yeah. You know, I can't control, I mean, so many things, you know, uh, I can't control what the news prints, but I can control when I choose to read it. Um, and just looking at our day in that way to find and regain our sense of, of power and control because I think that's what we're all craving right now in this uncertain time. There was an exercise on your blog, Rose, where you um, kind of drew two circles, one circle contained within a bigger circle. Mm -hmm. I love that concept. <laughs> yeah. Explain it to us. Explain the sure. concept. Sure. It's, it's really what we're talking about of, you know, just create a circle everything you can control goes in the circle. And I think I have a blank version on the site if people want to download it and actually write it out. But even just if you do this mentally, just, okay, what can I control? I can control, um, you know, what I wear, if I take a shower, when I take a shower, what we're going to eat for dinner, 
um, you know, if I'm going to look at our finances and try to work out a budget for the next few weeks, you know, those are all things I can control. What's outside of my control? I can't control if, you know, my job has laid me off, but I can control what I choose to do if I choose to look for unemployment benefits or find other ways to make money in the interim. Um, you know, I can't, I get, like I said, I can't control what the weather is, but I can control if I get exercise. So trying to focus on, yeah, that idea of maybe it doesn't look how I expected it to look. Maybe it's not the ideal. Maybe it's not how I want it to be, but it still can be. Um, and so just saying whatever's in the circle, that's the stuff I focus on. Whatever's outside of the circle, my, my energy and worry and focus on that does me no good. It doesn't serve me at all. So I have to let that go. Talking about kids, how would you explain something like a pandemic to them? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I have, I'm struggling with this. Um, any wise words with regards to that? Sure. I know there are, there are a ton of great resources out there. Um, you know, if you Google how to talk to kids about this that get into more specifics, you know, kids with anxiety may need to hear things in a certain way, <laughs> um, you know, versus kids who maybe have some intellectual disability and need to have things presented very visually. Um, but I think all kids can benefit from, you know, just considering what's their age, what's the information that they need to make sense of this. Um, you know, what's, what's going to be their developmental understanding and then showing them things that fit within that. I know for my own kids who are seven and nine years old, um, I showed them a clip that was going around from the, the TV show Scrubs that they showed, you know, when two hands touch and how that transfers germs and how things can move in a, in a room where people are, are close together and um, then talked about what would happen if everybody separated and everybody wore gloves and, and how that would limit the transmission. Um, and understanding that, you know, even though it feels very boring, we're actually really helping a lot of people by staying home. Um, and then, you know, I talk to my own kids a lot about, you know, we can choose to be frustrated by this time or we can choose to, to find the good. And it's okay to talk about the things that frustrate us, but we also want to balance that by talking about what are the parts that we're enjoying? Um, well, you know, so we're not enjoying that we can't go out to eat as much, but we are enjoying cooking together more as a family, those sorts of things. I love that, Rose. <laughs> you, um, you talked about special uh, needs parents being equipped to tolerate the stress of, of coronavirus. Why is that, Rose? Sure. So I think, you know, when this first all started happening and when we were first given the stay at home direction, I was, there was a week where I just remember so many of my clients, I would, you know, log on for our online sessions and say, you know, sort of, I was bracing myself of how hard has this been for them? And session after session, my clients were saying, you know, this really hasn't been that tough. <laughs> and I was surprised because um, they were saying, you know, we've, we've already, Kind of done this. We've already heard news that felt really overwhelming and we weren't sure what we would do with it. We've already had to isolate ourselves from others socially a bit because of our child's medical needs or their behavior. Um, so for a lot of the parents I work with, they were saying, you know, certain aspects of this just didn't feel difficult. And um, I really wanted to, to call them out for that in a positive way, which is why I wrote the blog post. Um, to say that, you know, you have skills and resilience that you're unaware of. 
if you're raising a child with disabilities. You know, you know how to do things differently from the norm. Um, you know how to take an unexpected situation and say, we're gonna, we're gonna make it work. We're gonna do what we have to do. We're gonna roll with it. We're gonna accept the ambiguity. We know that life can't be black and white. You know, let's quit focusing on what's normal and just do what we need, which is exactly the skills that all of us are having to, to dip into now in this um, pandemic. So that was really the, the inspiration for that post. For that article, you talk about in that article as well about social distancing not equating to emotional distancing. Walk mm -hmm. us through that, Rose. Sure. Again, a concept that so many parents raising kids with disabilities, I think, are familiar with because, you know, maybe your child just can't sit through an hour-long church service, but it's still important to you to contribute to your, your faith community. Um, so I work with a lot of parents who say, we don't go to regular church services anymore, but I still... Um, you know, do work at home on my, in my downtime that then I can contribute back to a mission at our, you know, religious house of worship, um, you know, or not being able to go to certain family events just because you don't know how your child is going to respond, or you know that they wouldn't be able to tolerate the travel. For various reasons, a lot of parents have already had to socially isolate um, to meet their child's needs. And so, they already know that when you do that, if you lose the emotional connection to other people, that's the, like I said, the root of the anxiety and the depression. It's feeling like I'm different, nobody understands me. Um, so a lot of the clients I work with, a big part of our work together is figuring out, okay, if the reality is that my child and their disability won't let me stay engaged in the way that I'm used to, in the way that I plan to be, how can I maintain connection to the people and the places and the activities that are important to me, even if I can't go out as much? Um, you know, a lot of the parents I work with talk about tag teaming with their spouse. Um, you know, you run the errands and I'll watch the child and then I'll take them to the medical appointment so you can get some work done. It's a lot of back and forth. So you are licensed in North Carolina and as a medical yes professional are you kind of bound to the state of North Carolina <laughs> or do you practice elsewhere no so unfortunately um, state licensing boards have not quite caught up to the technology that we have available to us so um, because I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor in North Carolina I can only work with clients who are in North Carolina at the time that we meet so I do offer online counseling that's something I've actually always offered even before the pandemic just because um, so many of the parents that I work with, it just works so well for them um, to not have to travel for one more appointment and be able to meet if their kiddos are sick. Um, so I've always done online counseling now just doing exclusively online counseling. Um, but yes, can only work with people who are in North Carolina. Your blog, as I said, is a outstanding resource. <laughs> But if, for example, parents are feeling overwhelmed or you mm -hmm. know, having that, that sinking feeling, who can they reach out to? Is there any link up on your website? Sure. So there's not a direct resources link because, um, you know, that's, that's sort of constantly in flux. But if people email me and say, do you know somebody in, you know, Kenya or... Uh, Kentucky or <laughs> wherever because I get those emails a lot um, I always send people to a blog post that I have on my site um, called finding a counselor who will understand your child with special needs 
um, with the caveat that a counselor who is going to understand um, a child with special needs is probably also going to be able to work with parents. Um, and so that blog post really came out of me getting those kind of emails from people and wanting to offer resources, but obviously I, I can't know people around the world. Um, so I just did a massive brain dump of all the different ways I could think of that somebody might be able to connect with a counselor who has a good understanding of disability. Um, so, and certainly I always put this out there, if people can think of another way um, to connect with a professional like that, please leave a comment on that post and share that idea with others because I know there are so many people um, who, are, who are hoping to find someone who can help them. So Rose, I just want to go through again, how can parents or how can individuals with disabilities contact you? Sure. So um, all of my information is on my website. They can get my email, my phone. Um, there's a contact form on there as well. Um, I'm also on Facebook, uh, Reef Counseling Services, and there's some additional things behind it. I think it's, you know, a carry disability practice, something. You'll find it. <laughs> um, and then I'm on Pinterest as well. So if people want uh, another way to connect, they can get me on there. Um, but yeah, really, my website is, is the best place to be in touch. And that website again, guys, is reefpsychservices.com. Rose, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. And thank you for sharing your knowledge with those parents out there listening today. Thank you so much for having me. It has been such a pleasure. As always, folks, if there are any topics that y'all would like to discuss, please let me know. Reach out to me at raisingkillin at gmail.com. Also, if any of those epi these episodes really touch a nerve with you or you find them helpful, leave a review. Those reviews help rank us higher within Apple and Spotify. So reviews help share those episodes with friends as well. The more folks we have listening, um, the more content we can bring you and every little bit helps. So look forward, forward to bringing you all those episodes. And as always, guys, remember, get to the top of your mountain. This is Marsh Naidu signing off.